Have you been sitting at your desk, editing your life away, feeling kind of lonely and need of some human connection? And you want to jump into elopement photography or up-level your elopement photography business? I have something for you. We are hosting an elopement photographer retreat in Tahoe, California on August 29th to September 2nd. In this retreat, we are providing a full day elopement styled shoot from sunrise to starry skies so that you can experience what a real elopement feels like and how to storytell and document it. And then two other whole days of strategizing your business and setting it up so you can support this amazing business and service you want to provide. So please join us, apply in the show notes, and we want to see you there in person. I honestly want to hug you in person and there's only a few spots left. So continue enjoying the podcast and we cannot wait to see your application soon. I'm going to start this off with a trigger warning for child sexual abuse. We're going to talk to my niece, Angelina, about her child sexual abuse story. It's a two-part episode. This is part one, and we really hope it empowers you, inspires you, and gives you insight of child sexual abuse. Here we go. Hey, my name is Dana Schuler, and I am the host of the Ascend Together podcast. I am a mom of five and a multi-passionate entrepreneur that loves to talk about the slap in the face and heart on fire moments of entrepreneurship. I went from just a photographer to trailblazing my way into immersing my multi-passionate self into my business. And I want to inspire others to ignite that same fire within them too. And you can't do it alone. So this is why we're going to do it together. Hey everybody. So excited to be talking to my niece today, Angelina, Anjo, we call her Anjo in the family. Um, well, I think most people call you Anjo. <laughs> um, yeah, about like 90% a, of people. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Angelina is a beautiful name, but the, your nickname has has followed through. Um, and we're so excited to talk about a really deep subject, but a very powerful story. Angelina has such a powerful story to share, and we're so thankful that she's here able to to share it and the like the vulnerability coming from it and able to open open it up to people um i think her story also heals in so many ways um as i've told it as she's told it the experiences i've had with people um you know reaching out and and telling their own story that they've never told anybody um so i'm just so excited to dig into this story to open people's eyes of sexual abuse um in children and what that looks like because i think there's just a lot of misinformation out there of what it is um and how it goes um so that was like my long introduction i could we're gonna talk a lot about this because we're both very passionate about the subject um (laughs) um, but anjo go ahead and introduce yourself like how old are you where do you live what are your favorite things to do just like go ahead and introduce yourself okay i am angelina uh dana's niece the oldest of all um she's the boss yeah (laughs) i'm the leader of all the children um but i am 19 i'm turning 20 in july which that is crazy um i can't even yeah no i feel Um, really old i know it's crazy um but yeah i'm 19 turning 20 in july uh i'm born and raised in sacramento we all have been um me and dana so um cali girls Cali girls never leaving. It's just never leaving. not a thing. No, I don't do snow. I don't do nothing. Same. 
Nope. So, um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm just going to tell my story today and we're going to dig into whatever comes up. Yeah. Honestly. So, and Angela loves dogs. Love <laughs> food. Love dogs. Love food. Love tacos. Any, yeah, you know, Vietnamese food from your grandma. <laughs> yes. Yep. And like Dana said in the beginning, my nickname is Anjo, which is very Okay, odd. tell the story real fast. A very odd and interesting name. You wouldn't <laughs> think, and you'd think it's really weird, but it's a funny story behind it. So uh, my grandma was born in Vietnam, and she came here on a boat for like years and years. I don't know how long ago. Um, and so when I was born, Angelina was my name, but they for short, they called me Angel. But my grandma's accent was so thick that my mom thought she was saying Anjo for years. And I mean years, okay? <laughs> and my dad was like, why are you calling her Anjo? She's like, your mom calls her that, right? Like, she says Anjo. And she's like, no, she's saying Angel. That's She's <laughs> saying Angel. And she's like, oh, my goodness. I've been calling my daughter Anjo for years when my grandma was saying, trying to say Angel, but her accent is so thick that it sounded like Anjo. Um, so that literally stuck. And it's like every single person calls me that now. And that's just like my nickname. If I hear Angelina, it's like weird. Because I'm like, oh. That yeah, was, like no one calls yeah. you Angelina. No. <laughs> so it's always Anjo. Like all of all of the cousins, little kids, they just know me as Anjo. They don't that's even the know easiest, my full It's name. so easy to say. Yeah, they're just like, Anjo. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I tell them like, do you know my real, like my full name? They're like, No. Or they're like, Anjo. I'm like, no, actually, it's not. as <laughs> my nickname. Yeah, so very. very I love that story. story. It's I great. I love that story. It's great. It's great. I it's didn't different. know about it till like years ago. I didn't know. Because I was like, I think I asked my mom. I was like, where did that come from? She was like, well, funny story. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, so. It's so unique. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting like Alrighty. so it's stuck so much to the point where when people introduce me it's anjo and they're like wait what yeah it's 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 know. stuck it's stuck that's good all right so let's dig into the good stuff um <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's just go ahead and start with your story um and yeah i'll just i think i'm just gonna let you just like say your story from like what how it started how the sexual abuse started um and where it went from there and i'll probably just chime in and yeah and say whatever and then we can kind of expand on a few things so yeah. you could take take the take the lead anja okay it's kind of like short but not short story i don't know um it can be three hours if you want it to but <laughs> <laughs> i know okay so um i the abuse started before like two or three months before i turned 12 so i was 11 um it was from my stepdad so i met him i think almost almost not even a year prior mm -hmm. um and it started like nine months after which was very honestly crazy that he would do that fast but he obviously was very Sick. adamant and sick and he knew what he was doing with manipulation and mm -hmm. grooming and whatever so he just did it as quickly as he did and it honestly was perfect the way he did it um it was very just straightforward and everything kind of happened in his favor like 
there wasn't any setbacks of anything. It just happened exactly how he wanted it to. Um, so I was, yeah, three months before I was 11. And then it's kind of, you know, took a long process. Obviously, he planned all of this out. The grooming out. process. The grooming process of everything. Um, so at first, it was like, oh, you know, just getting me in a room alone. And that was for like a month just for me to get used to that, you know. And then it moved on to like, oh, getting closer, you know, like, oh, hugging me or, you know, little things like that. And that's part of the grooming process. Because if you, you know, just kind of the first time just got on someone and they were, you know, they'd be like, oh, what are you doing? You know, but that's the part of their their brains. Pedophiles brains are very smart. They know what they're doing. So they do as very slowly as they possibly can till you get comfortable enough to move on to the next thing. Um, and for me, it was very, I was kind of clueless. I didn't know what a pedophile was. And that is another um, thing that I think we should just teach children is just what a pedophile is. Putting a name to what, you know, these types of people do. I knew growing up, like my mom talked about, you know, bad touch, good touch, but I didn't know what a pedophile was. And so that was a big thing or else I would have known like, oh, he's a pedophile, you know? Um, so after that, and it was like slow, slow process until I think I was 13. Honestly, it was like slow stuff until it got to like the more like intense stuff. And mind you, this is all at my pace. So that's also another thing that they do is that they move at your own pace because they don't want to scare you off or make you tell someone, you know, because you got scared of something or made you uncomfortable about something. Um, so it was like slow stuff, just putting us together in a room or in the dark. And then it would be like, oh, it's getting closer or like just touching, even touching my arm, you know, and making sure I wasn't like off about it. And then, but 13, so it took almost a year and a half till it got to like the, se- I would say sexual part of things mm-hmm. to where, um, so it is a long process. They know what they're doing, you know, it's grooming. Um, so I was 13 and that's when it just, I don't know how to explain it. Which went from just a little touch to actual like sex, like, and mm-hmm. it was very, at my pace too and people would think because people have thought this before and they told me like well why didn't you stop why didn't you do this you know Mm. if it got to this point if it got to it's like you don't it's just all grooming and manipulation you really don't know it until you're in it like yeah this is like one like this piece right here is like one of the things that irks me the most and it's just miss it's just like no it's just like little lack of education misinformation and one of the biggest questions andrew gets asked is like why didn't you stop or why didn't you say anything um and uh uh (laughs) um because what andrew's like walking through is almost a year and a half of like non-sexual grooming like this is like trust this is like like she said, going at her own pace, which I don't know all pedophiles are like that, but a lot of them are like yeah. this. Um, and just, you know, you're only like almost 12. You weren't even 12 yet. Like, yeah, that is a yeah, child. Like, you were a child and yeah. you trusted him. I mean, her stepdad, I mean, you could describe his character, but he was very like everyone loved him. He was so kind. Like he was this like cool person. Yeah, you know, everyone, like, he was, like, this cherished person in the family. Everyone knew him. Everyone 
loved him, his personality, he's fun and funny, like everyone. So very good. Um, what's the word? Smart. Smart person. Person, yeah. And, and yeah, so I was going to stop too. you right there because that that is just a huge, huge thing. Is there's a lot of victim blaming that comes around these cases, and it's a child doesn't know, and especially when they trust someone so deeply and they have love for them, and yeah. you look up to him, and he was your friend. Like, how could you not? You know, parents are supposed to teach us what are right and wrong, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, another thing with him, too, is that no one expected it. He was very no, just a cherished. Slap in the face of a, for the family. Of, for, sure. for everyone. And that was also, yeah, a big thing. Everyone, like, thought of, oh, it's it's him. You know, everyone loved him. Everyone knew that he was just this, like, fun, welcoming person. He, like, no one. Last person you'd ever expect. Yeah, you guys, um, like, I like, one other thing to know is, like, pedophiles when i grew up i was like oh these are like people who live with their moms in the basement and they're creepy okay pedophiles are creepy but but on the outside there are people no, who go to church with you there are people who your dads your brothers like uh when i read when i read when this happened i read like 20 million books on this not 20 million like probably like three really good books about pedophilia and it talked about how 10 percent only 10 percent of pedophiles are strangers the 90 yeah. percent is someone you know trust that blew my mind members. that blew Trusted my mind. family members and friends yeah. right like that blew my mind like a neighbor a friend like someone you knew 10 percent were strangers and i was like wow like really yeah i didn't even <sighs> know that either and i was like wow like i'm not i'm not crazy you know like yeah I'm, <laughs> yeah it was very like wow you don't notice it at all and that's why it's another thing that we're gonna do this podcast is just educate because a lot of people don't know at all Um, or the process which i'm thankful you're explaining like the process of how this went because this also went over a span of five years right five almost six five and a half ish yeah yeah so So it's all blew up when you're like 17 right uh 16 and a half yeah so april Mm -hmm. april 1st and then my i turned 17 in july so Mm -hmm. yeah almost um so yeah it was very long time but as far as the manipulation part of it and just getting me to that point where it was like okay was Mm -hmm. a year and a half two years um and people think like oh it's just overnight thing wouldn't you say stop like no it almost took two years to even get to the point where it got to actual sexual actions Mm -hmm. um and that's two whole years if you really think about it it's a very long time short but long time you know um then so yeah to continue sorry once it hit 13 that was when it got like real just sexual actions and then after that it was kind of like oh well you know you, you broke down that wall so yep. now um at least in my situation it was more of like just whatever he kind of had time for because he already broke down every single wall mm-hmm. um of like oh can she would she stop me if i did this which would stop me if I did that. Um, then we broke that final wall down of like actual sexual intercourse. And then it was like, okay, you know, she didn't do anything. So now I can kind of do whatever I want or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, after 13, then it was just whatever he had time for. Um, and yeah, a lot of people were like, why didn't you stop? Why didn't you, um, when it got to that point, why didn't you stop? Like, nope. And for me, 
people think it's out of fear personally and that's and this is one thing i'm thankful for is that my abuser yes what he did was was very bad but he did it in such a way of grooming and manipulation that i didn't fear him in any way Mm -hmm. i had no fear that oh he was gonna hurt me if i didn't do this he was gonna i didn't at all because he was just a very you know smart man and knew and i think he knew me enough too that if he did force me to do anything i would have i would have done something so it was very much at my pace um yeah so it took two years and then all those walls were broken down and it was just whatever could happen at the time and it happened very often you know people in every situation is different it can happen to someone one time and they're traumatized and I would completely understand that like people have nightmares and it's totally valid to have nightmares even if it happened one time Mm-hmm. um but this was so often uh and obviously I don't it's not the exact number but I could say over that course of like five and a half years probably oh three to four hundred times mm-hmm. because it was so often it was so normal to me that was my normal um yeah and it was very like it could be just a simple text like hey do you want to do this and I was like okay sure or not and people would if I said that to a lot of people they'd be like why like whoa like you could have just why'd you even let that happen like that um but realistically you were in his world already like yeah you were in his world that was your normal like your brain thought a certain way and you had a very deep emotional connection with him a sexual connection that like yeah is a bond that's really strong and that built up over time it's very toxic because you're so manipulated you can't even think you can't even like it's almost like you don't even can't even take your own action because you're just you're you're guided by his and like what he wants to do and he has power over you so what i kind of thought of it as like you know when i thought about it in the past i was like he had just had me on this very long loose leash Mm -hmm. to where i could do whatever i wanted and I was never controlled by him. Uh, everything was at my pace. He never forced me to do anything. I lived my normal life. I didn't have any restrictions of anything. Um, but I was still on his leash of manipulation. So I it was very long leash. I could move around, do whatever I wanted. But it was very much on this leash. But not of, to a point. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my brain. Like he had me emotionally, mentally, and physically. You know? Yeah. Like... So um, it was a very toxic relationship. And that was also another thing that people don't realize with grooming and manipulation. It's a relationship, Mm -hmm. Um, very toxic one. Um, And part of me, it's like, you know, the girls, we just want to please all the time and, you know, please our our guy or, you know, and that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Very toxic thing. But and that's just me in general, too. I like I just like I'm a pleaser very loyal pleasing person I just like to I like to please people so that was also the other thing of like oh I love this person so much and I want to please him all the time um and that was the toxic part of it because it was totally wrong person to do that you know so and I think a question people might have at this point is how could this happen for so long without your mom knowing without anybody knowing 
I mean, I got to say, when we figured this out, this was like a hit in the face for the whole family. Like we had no idea. Like we could not see any crazy signs. Like it was like, what the heck? So like, how could this happen under the roof of your mom? And like, you know, all this stuff of all the family around us, like, how could this happen? Yeah. Describe like so, how that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's so, it's just so crazy how sick people like that, they just know how to do it. Hmm. They're so smart. They have, well, with him specifically, he knew he had the shield that he could, or this mask that he can put on hmm. that everyone trusted. You know, he was a very, super nice guy. He went to church and he knew, he knew he had this mask this cover-up that he could easily just put on um and just even just the way that he planned it out and was so calculated with everything was just 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 how he did it I don't know and the other part of it was just it was so casual Mm -hmm. um that to me it was just like oh yeah you know because I went I grew up based with it basically from 11 to 16 literally for like half our childhood yeah yeah literally in your teen years that you grow up so it was just literally a normal daily thing to me and it's kind of sad to think but it's that's just what it was so at that time I yes there was my mom my two other siblings and then two boys were born with um him and my mom so I think but so like people that could actually process or like you know walk around and stuff there was a three three Mm -hmm. of us or three of them um I I I don't know honestly it was just whenever everyone was gone or Mm -hmm. uh late at night when everyone was sleeping or Mm -hmm. and it could be for five minutes when when mom when the kids were in school so I was homeschooled so that's another part that I'm going to talk about next Mm -hmm. um that uh the two of my two younger siblings so I'm the oldest of now five but at the time I think there was three of us or four of us um that they were in school and I was homeschooled so even if it was for that 10 to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. that my mom was gone to pick them up from school and I was home and if he was home if he wasn't working it would happen then Mm -hmm. um it was literally any time it could happen um and it was very sporadic there wasn't like oh a specific time or oh this it was just oh we have time now do you want to can I do something that's Mm -hmm. literally what it was and so when I say like three, four hundred times, it was it could have been two times a day. It could have been nothing for a week because it just couldn't happen. Or it could have been ten times a week. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was very nothing was planned. Um and it was just I don't know. It was just how he was that no one would expect yeah. it. He was very sneaky. Uh even family dinners and stuff, you know, we'd all go to grandma's house and even he would be there and everything was normal he'd just Mm -hmm. interact with the family like normal and I was normal I'd still laugh and smile and do it it was very I don't know he just had that mask that he could just put on it was very very just believable and crazy how I don't know it's crazy how he could do that tell us how like you felt um during that period, like, what were you going through at that time? Because um, I know a lot was happening. We'll talk about, like, leading up to it. But, like, what was happening, like, during those, like, 13 to 17, like, 
time frame? Because I know you're um, homeschooled, like, couldn't have any boyfriends, really, like, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So that was, yeah, it's very, I think a lot of people can relate to this, and some people could be like, wow, I didn't know, you know? Um, so from that time, yeah, 12 to 16 and a half, 12, 13, um, it's like eighth grade, right? That would be eighth grade. Um, I, I don't know. I just kind of was kind of normal, kind of just going with the flow until I hit like freshman year, which is like 14. Um, and I think that is just an awkward age for just anyone in general, 13, 14, when you're going into high school is just a very confusing age. Um, but for me, I just had a little bit more, a <laughs> little bit more confusion. Um, when I think when I was like 11, 12, I just didn't know any better. I was kind of, I was a kid and it kind of just yeah. went with what happened. Um, and then, and it also takes time for your brain to realize what's going on and process mm-hmm. it and realize, oh, I'm starting to feel sad. It's, tra- it's traumatic. Like it's, it's literally traumatic. traumatic so yeah. <laughs> Even if, and people, and I do this too, like when I think of like, traumatic abuse I think of like a kid that was like you know hurt mm-hmm. in that way physical I, like way. physically yeah. I think of like you know because I've heard cases of like people tied them down or like I think of that but I think of and then someone's like no your your case is severe mm-hmm. and it's very but it was in a different way it was emotionally um so I was very yeah 13 14 I didn't realize it till I started having I was just depressed every day uh mm-hmm. and literally almost like day. subconscious like effect like you didn't feel it like consciously really yeah, it was more I like was con- all subconsciously like depression and you know yeah, it was confusing it was very confusing because I was mm-hmm. like why um well I was always a- an anxious person I've always had anxiety since I was little but it was just enhanced mm-hmm. uh I was never depressed I- anxiety was always there but I was never depressed until 13 14 uh, you know, it took a year to my for my brain to process it. And I was sad every day, like mm-hmm. just crying every day, just being so confused and just like, why am I sad? Because I had at least in the yeah. front of my brain didn't know why would I be sad and nothing's happening. Um, but I just constantly was like crying every day, just felt just low every day. And I was like, why? Like nothing, nothing. And then even just anxiety started happening and then that's what led me to go to homeschool. So I went to, I only was in like in person high school for only freshman year, and that was it, because mm-hmm. um, I just couldn't like function. I mean, I could function, but it was I was just too sad. I couldn't like, it was so confusing. I'd have this super crazy anxiety at school, and I wouldn't know why. Um, so then, like the first two three months of sophomore year, it took a process for me to get into homeschool. But that's when I went to homeschool. And luckily, I'm very, uh, like, independent, and I was able to do homeschool well compared to a lot of people who can't. Um, But luckily, I did. Um, So I finished high school with the same homeschool, Um, and it was great. Uh, I had the best teacher ever, but that also, I wouldn't say made me more vulnerable, but made it happen a lot more. Yeah, you were isolated. You isolated your, like, I just remember you growing up, in that time frame when I'm like, why doesn't she have, like, girlfriends? Or, like, mm-hmm. go, like, have girls over. Or, like, go to their houses. Like, I never saw you, like, hang out with friends. Yeah. So that was, was so weird to thing. me. I realized now looking back, I'm like, why? You yeah. know? And that's because he isolated you, like, yeah, and everybody. Also, yeah, and that's also another thing was just I 
And that was another thing. And that's honestly confused a lot of people, I think. Even, you know, family, like you, looking Mm -hmm. back on it. I did not have any friends. And it's not that I just didn't, oh, I couldn't couldn't make friends. No, I can make friends. Honestly, a lot of people liked me at school. And were like, oh, she's cool. She's very, Angela's very likable. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just chill. I don't know. I'm like chill and weird. And I'm just like, hi. But but I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, Even if I did, it was at school you know, in those classes that you just, you know, the people you just talk to. But outside of school, like, making an effort to have friends and making an effort to, like, communicate and, like, you know, call your friend or, like, text your friend. I had literally no friends because mm-hmm. I didn't care to. That was the thing. I, it's not that I couldn't make friends. I didn't care to whatsoever. I didn't care. It's another thing. Once I hit 16, I didn't care to get my license I didn't mm-hmm. care to have friends. I didn't care to, um, you know, just hang out with people because, and that was always confused my mom too. Like, why don't you have friends? And I'm like, I have friends at school. Like I'm, you know, but just that effort of not hanging out with people, it was very confusing and like odd for a lot of people looking back. Um, but I just didn't care to, because I was from 11 to 16 and a half. I was focused on something else. Oh, excuse me. Um, focused on something else. I, my brain was focused on this. I think at the time, he was 30 years old, by the way. I forgot to say that. Um, I was 11. He was 30 when it started. So from, I was focused on this 34-year-old man for X amount of years of my life. And I just didn't care. Because I was like, my literally my whole world was like focused on pleasing this person. So I didn't care to have friends. I didn't care to drive. I didn't care nothing because my brain was just so. And I always thought that was weird that you didn't want to drive. I was like, why don't you get your license? Like, come on. And and all these things just make so much more sense when this all happened. I was like, okay, okay, that's why this is happening. But like, he was like your main relationship. Like, no need for boyfriends. No need for any friends because he was like the person you confided in. I mean, you didn't just have that, but you had a relationship that you confided in him and talked to him invented to him like right like you talked all about that yeah so yeah so he was so growing up like a relationship with like my obviously my biological mom real mom and dad um it wasn't super personal like feeling wise like I didn't like vent to them and that just wasn't how it was so when this when he came into my life it was like oh this new person you know I can kind of just I'm gonna say start over but start over with someone who didn't know me at all so for some reason it was so easy to talk to him about anything I would vent to him about anything and that's another thing that he knew and was like oh she trusts me and he obviously used that to his advantage because he knew that so I and I when I say I didn't talk to anyone at all I did not even a single person except him Mm -hmm. Uh, I vented to him about everything talked to him about everything he was like my best friend um I had I think in this time or in that time like the six years I had like two boyfriends but they weren't even like I wouldn't even count them like it didn't go anything outside of school um like even texting like nothing it was just out because I didn't care I didn't care to like make that effort to hang out with my you know like nothing and it's, it was confusing, too, because in my brain, I had so much guilt that I was like, oh, I'm cheating on them. Mm. Because I was, you know, in this relationship with someone else, having these sexual intercourse with someone else. 
and it was so confusing um and so yeah I didn't care to have boyfriends either you know those two that I had they kind of they're just whatever I wouldn't count them um because I I feel like I feel like at that point too there was a lot of like I know there's like regular depression like depression anxiety and stuff like that like tension with teenagers at that time and I think that's what I thought it was but I know that I know the relationship with your mom was definitely there was a lot of tension there too oh yeah that relationship as well yeah so um obviously me and mom were always chill um it was more of like oh like you know your best friend you know that's how Mm -hmm. it was um also because she was very young when she had me so we're closer in age that it was more like a fun like oh you know Mm -hmm. i just go to target together (laughs) um but then that happened and it was more of like oh she's he's being shared Mm -hmm. um and I'm, and just me in general, I wouldn't say I'm possessive, but like, I, you know, what's mine is mine. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, like she's the other girl kind of that I have to share with. And, and so can you it, just imagine a teenager having to have these thoughts? Like, yeah. How freaking horrible that is that yeah. he did that. Like, I just cannot like fathom so, that like dynamic, you know? Yeah, so in that so in that time, so like I said, me and mom were always chill. We're always, you know, good mm-hmm. until that stuff started happening when right when he came into our lives, I instantly I like despised her. I hate I wouldn't say mm-hmm. hate is a hate is a very strong word, but I to that point where I would be like I hated her because mm-hmm. she was that other girl and I was like competition and it was always like you know, and I would get jealous all the time because obviously they would show affection to each other. They were married. But then that would make me boil because I was like, no, he's mine. Like, that's mine, you know? Mm. And it was so toxic, so bad. So during that time, oh, me and my mom did not have a good relationship. She was like, I thought you hated me. And I mm-hmm. just had to say, but I, I did, you know? Not, obviously not meaning to, but like, I, I did. And it was very bad obviously it wasn't like oh i wouldn't talk to her i talked to her like normal you know normal but i didn't but like, inside yeah but inside it was, like... it was just the feeling of like ooh, i don't mm. you know i talked to her like normal but i'd have this like inner hate and i was mm-hmm. like i could not didn't want to like hang out with her i mean i did but like it was just you know that inner grudge that inner like uh-uh i don't want you know and obviously after I, I told and it made sense to her and we're completely fine now. We're like, you know, we're great now um, because the problem, the thing that was, you know, separating us is gone. So it was almost like that. Like he was in the middle of everything, making me not like my own mom. You know, it was very much like very divided. Um, and that's another part of him too. It's like, how could you even do that? Like, you know, you're doing this. You know, you, you, you know, you're the wall that's breaking yeah. this and he's obviously didn't care you know um yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah I, I just like as you're going through this it just is so hard for me to fathom like how a teenager with on top of like how teenagers hormones already are and how like crazy teenagehood is yeah. in general and then this on top of it having to have the feeling of competition with your mom and like it is just Man, I don't think people know, uh, like, really understand, like, this deep, like, part of it. Like, what's yeah. on in your brain that doesn't make sense to outside people. But you are 
like literally like brainwashed into this oh and yeah that's a good word for it yeah brainwashed. like you're literally Very. brainwashed into i mean from such a young age so now let's like let's go towards like when this all blew up because oh, yeah. because this this blew up and we're going to tell you the great ending of the story but <laughs> you, there's you don't, a you don't light know at yet. the tunnel it's okay there's a light at the tunnel um, but most people most people do you have a i think you might have a statistic on this but most people don't tell our story and bring oh, it to the yeah. grave um so the statistics is education time um so for one in four girls before their 18th birthday have been abused one in four so sexually if you abused, look yeah. at sexual abuse, yes. So if you look around, even at a grocery store, you count one girl out of four. It's happened to them before, even if it was one time before mm-hmm. they're 18. One in six boys, which is another thing that people don't think of. Mm-hmm. People always think it's, oh, you know, it always happens to girls. No, it happens to boys. When my story came out, men have told me, oh, this happened to me. And it's like my, people that I know that I personally know that I've yeah, the amount of stories years. that came out after telling the story was oh, like yeah. that's that's when it made the statistic very true in our life. Oh yeah, was seeing and like one in four people having that. Yeah, so happen. one in four, one in four girls, one in six boys before their 18th birthday. And if you think about it, 18 that's young. That is young if you really think about it. Like, and um, I think it was 60 percent of victims take it to their grave don't tell a single human being and they take it to the grave. 60 like how much weight that is like i know you found so much freedom by telling your story which we'll expand on more but and you're very brave too i just i don't think everyone's the person to do that but um yeah the amount of people that have whenever i share your story like i share i try to share at least once a year there's multiple people that dm me and are just like yeah. here's my story i never told anybody before and i'm like yeah and people have reached oh out to me too and it's crazy. And then only 12%, 12, 12% report it to the authorities. That's so crazy. And I, it's so crazy. Well, it's, and it's just it's, so much of this happens when people are young and they have like no freaking idea and they have to like they have no clue. deal with their trauma. Scared. And, and they're so, and that. like most people just can't get like the evidence is not like it's oh, so yeah. he said, she said, which we're going to talk about in a minute on how this, this all came because yeah. there was a lot more evidence in your case and that's why he got the sentence he did but you know most people don't have any tangible evidence and that's why it's so hard to prosecute these people and it just yeah man like the prosecution for this stuff I and mean, thankfully there's more laws coming out in california i think now for reporting that extends further mm-hmm. back for people but yeah still it's it's extremely hard to get actual justice for this stuff so let's back up and let's go to like when this all blew up like what was leading up to this and yeah. then like how it blew up because that it was, was crazy. a crazy time crazy time so it's everything was kind of going 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 and so i okay so i told april 1st april fool's day mm-hmm. jokes on him jokes on him but um <laughs> totally not planning to do that but um so <laughs> and i didn't notice it till like after i was like huh funny um but uh, so April and like two, three months before that was when it kind of started kind of blown up and he knew, he knew the things that he, the things I'm about to say. So I think I was just, so I'd vent to him about everything, anything and everything. And like two, three months before I was just extra, extra sad, extra anxious. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him about it. 
Like I, I feel like I'm about to go insane. Mm. Like I'm going crazy. It would be paragraphs and paragraphs. Like I just, it would be absolutely insane. And I was like, I want to like kill myself. That's how bad it was. Like mm. for feeling that depressed and anxious for four years. Like I was going yeah. crazy. I kind of hit that point where it was like, I cannot do this anymore. I've been doing it for so long. Didn't know why I was scared, why I was, ang- or not scared, why I was, I was depressed, why I was anxious. And I was just blown up, you know? I kind of was starting to hit my wall. Um, and he, oh, he knew it. He knew it. He's like, oh, she's about to blow up. She's about to, she's about to say something. Um, you know, like he just, he knew, uh, two, three months prior. So what this smart man decided to do was buy me everything I wanted. Um, very grooming, very much manipulation, um, to the point where he like wasted thousands and I mean, thousands of dollars on things that I liked to shut me up, to butter Mm -hmm. me up, to, make me feel happy to make me feel you know like and I so like in the beginning I love dogs very much a dog person they're oh yeah the two dogs yes so I believe yes I believe (laughs) I believe dogs are better than humans like I'm yeah very much and my favorite breeds happen to be German Shepherd and Huskies uh my favorite um and Dana happens to have a very wonderful dog (laughs) um Zena she's a German Shepherd and a Husky um and she or he um was like hey I have these two my friend is selling these two Huskies and they need a home um and totally surprised he kind of just brought them home one day and there was two Huskies and I was instantly, I was like, oh, you know, out of this world, like on the moon going crazy. Like, oh my goodness, I have two puppies. Like it was awesome. But all the things for them and all these things. And that was like, I was over the moon already. And then I was like, oh, I want to get these, um, um, these shoes, these expensive shoes. Um, and he got me those. And they're, these are like $250 shoes. Okay. And that got me those without any question. And then um, makeup stuff. I bought this like $64 foundation and he got it. You know, like he's literally, it was like thousands, just thousands of dollars that he was like spending on me to basically shut me up in that two, two to three months. Um, and that is another thing that they do is, you know, grooming buying you stuff buying everything you want um and that's what he did because he knew i was venting i was blowing up i was going crazy Um, yeah i think during this time right he was like drinking he started getting back to drinking right yeah so because he he knew something was gonna happen like Like, he he stopped drinking and smoking when hunter like when you're when when they got married and like things yeah because he committed and yeah your mom didn't like yeah. that stuff. But I know it started coming back towards the end, right? Yeah, because he obviously knew. He knew something was going to happen. He's like, oh, man, this is going to blow up. She's blowing up. Buying me all this stuff. He started going crazy because he knew. Um, and it was just this crazy time. And then I one night, and this is the night that I, I told, um, that I came back from my dad's house 
when my parents separated. So I was at my dad's house and then going back to my mom's and I just broke down just because I was going crazy. And well, but he was, he was out of the house. Like he got kicked out right before this. Yes. Okay. So this is, it's crazy, crazy experience. Um, that led up to that. This is kind of story time. Um, but there was one night that he was, I don't know if he was just having mental breakdowns because he was in the military. So he would have yeah, three you know, tours, 10 year Marine. Yeah. Yeah. 10, he was in the Marines for 10 yeah, years. So he would have, issues. yeah, a lot of other issues. Um, and he just kind of went haywire for a little bit. Um, and he just went just ballistically drinking and all those things. And so he, was like home one night and my mom would like kick him out and make him sleep in the car because he's like you're not doing this around my kids you know um and one night he I guess was like sleeping on the couch or something and he was texting me and he's like hey do you want to do this hey do you want to do this and I was like you know sure whatever you know it was normal to me it's been you know five years now um and then it was this was like nighttime and then my mom happened to wake up and see i wouldn't say see it happening but just see me on the ground with him uh he pushed me off and it was just this whole thing but what the twist on that is that everyone blamed it on me you've you loved him you've been obsessed with him for so long ever since you met him you Mm. you you know you took advantage of him because he was drunk you all these things and it was blamed on me for for eight months. So that's I think that's also what made me kind of go haywire was that this is all my it, fault. Like I'm this the is bad all person. my fault. Like they are blaming me for this. Like oh, like it was so much guilt and so much like I can't. Like I was already you know normal teen stuff. Then it was what was happening to me. Then now I'm being blamed for taking advantage of my stepdad because he was drunk. And having sex with him um, because he was drunk. Because I've been, quote unquote, obsessed with him and all these things for all these years. And I just, and so I was being, literally, I was being blamed for a divorce, basically. Um, And that was. And just just like some slack on like people who saw that, you know, like involved with this, like not knowing on, no, not knowing what's going on. And also this being a traumatic thing that for the family and that the family is groomed too it's not only oh yeah and joe it like they the everyone else is also victims in in her immediate family like they were all her mom was a victim all victims and this stuff like i am sure i can't speak for for my sister but like it it just like goes over your head because you don't want to like you don't want to believe you don't want to believe and you don't want to understand like it's so traumatic that like you being groomed by this person who loves you that this has that you can see them as this person so it's like just to like give some slack on family like they're groomed too and so that's why like this seems like it should be like oh she should have known and like stop this like it is not that easy like it's not that simple (laughs) yeah and that's another thing i want to say too i was kind of scared to say that story but it is what led up to what had happened um so my mom is very adamant about things like this if she sees a pedophile like if she sees signs she will say something she will straight up walk up to a man and be like why did you 
take a picture of a kid, you know, like, cause she's seen that happen before and she said something. She was very, don't, yeah, that's one thing I was scared to kind of tell. Don't th- people um, thinking that, oh yeah, she should have seen that. Oh, she should have said something. No, the manipulation fogs everything. Everything. And that, I mean, this is like one of the biggest reasons why people push this under the rug and why families do is because they have so much love for the people involved. It's really hard to see that they're a monster. It's very, very hard to see that. I couldn't even imagine, but I know that they're so much groomed that that it's just so fogged, so fogged to even see what's actually happening. And realistically, looking back on it now, everyone that was kind of blaming him for it had every reason to because of what was laid out yeah like what right? they saw it there what is out of context yes so i was uh, you know quote unquote obsessed with him i was always wanted to be near and him. she was, was like always... almost 17 so she seemed like she was more of an adult age yeah and my i wouldn't say my body too i just have a more matured body and i always kind of have um mm-hmm. so i just i don't know you know and it yeah, everyone had every reason to kind of blame me because it was like, oh, she's been obsessed with him, you know, and he was drunk one night and she took advantage of him. And just like and also the lack of education of like what lack really of goes education. On. And so just and people don't know. That's why we're saying this podcast. But like, yeah. <laughs> you know, people in this situation, we just want to give them some slack because yeah. people just don't, don't know. Yeah, because I don't real school, I didn't either. And I, I was going yeah. through it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, I didn't either. And I was the one, I was the one in four, you know? Like, I didn't know. So, yeah, very, I don't, but I don't blame at all. I don't blame people for not knowing stuff. But that's, you know, the reason why we're here is to yeah. educate people. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to at all, you know, put, want people to, like, think and put blame on my mom for not noticing. Because I was like, no, it's manipulation, like you said. The whole family. She's also groomed, um, Yeah. And everyone else kind of had the the story lined up to to blame me, and it made sense to blame me. Um, yeah. So, so let's go back to so like where, happens, when you were yeah. telling to, told, and I know he was kicked out at this time, right? When you told yeah, your mom, so, yeah. So, so when that happened, it was very traumatic. I, you know, I can still think about it till this day, and it was very traumatic. So, I kind of, um, so I had two separate households, mom and dad, and I was kicked out to my dad's house for literally two months straight and the only reason why i would come back home is because my siblings wanted to see me so i was kicked out he was kicked out um and once we kind of slowly were able to like come back and be in the same room because that's how bad it was for my mom we couldn't even be in the same room like she was walking on eggshells 24 7 because she's like what if what if this is gonna happen again you know like she was so couldn't even breathe that's what it felt like um so once we slowly kind of started coming back and things kind of got i'm gonna say normal but normal again to where like oh you know it's just the typical oh i can text him or i can whatever that that's when i started um kind of going crazy um because i was being blamed for it i was being blamed for all these things and that's when i started going crazy and so one night when i came back from my dad's i you know breaking down I was like, I cannot handle this. I'm being blamed for all of this stuff. And I know it's not my fault. Like, mm-hmm. I, he, like, this has been going on for so long. It wasn't me. Like, I, so imagine that, you know, going through your brain, like, being blamed for all these things when you know it's not true. But you can't say anything. Because, 
then all this other things mm-hmm. then I'm, then all this other stuff is going to come up like it was so it's really hard. embarrassing like it's embarrassing so it's embarrassing like, when you think about it like my goodness yeah so that night i just was breaking down crying and and my mom is very uh intuitive she's very she can mm-hmm. feel things um she came into my room i think i actually called her into my room um just for support even if i you know quote unquote hated her at the time um just needed you know you're my mom in the room when i was crying um breaking down and then uh it literally took her from like eight o'clock till 11 o'clock for her to get it out of me but she knew something was wrong she was like i she's like i just something came to me and i needed to ask you a question um and it was very much like has he ever done anything to you has this or has I think it was has this something like this ever happened before meaning like sexual things with him um and I kept saying no 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 it literally was a three-hour process for her to get this one answer out of me um and I was like no 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 she's like Angel I know you're not telling me the truth that's why you're breaking down crying like I know you're not telling me the truth and finally I just because okay so another reason why I was scared to say yes or no or whatever is because I didn't want to lose him okay mm. mind you that is another that's another big, big thing that's another big point was because he was my safe haven he was my safety net I trusted him more than anything uh I vented to him about everything like I'm my using my lifeline okay so I didn't want to lose that I was I was so scared it wasn't even like oh what are people gonna think of me when this comes out no it was it was like I know I'm going to lose him. That's why I didn't say anything. So it was so scary and confusing. And so it was like, oh, I know this is happening. like torn into. Like you were being torn like torn into. into. Because realistically, think about it. A six-year relationship with someone that I trusted, that I whatever. And yes, it was a very toxic one, but it was still, you know, very manipulative relationship. So I was like, oh, I do not want to lose this person. He's literally my wife. Like, and so I kept saying, no, 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 protecting him protecting him when he's been doing all these things to me and just but I was protecting him and you think that's crazy but that's that's mm. the situation that they put me in and I was just being ripped apart and I finally was like you know what I I can't do this anymore you know and I, I was like yes when my mom was like has anything like this ever happened before and I said yes and she's like okay you know she got something now she's gonna investigate a little bit more and now this is when she it was more less less like oh i'm just sitting here watching her cry now it became oh this is a serious matter you know like okay this is i think it like probably just like hit her in the face like every all like memories flooding to her of like realizing oh my gosh this has been happening yeah and it was very much and like i said about my mom before she's very adamant she's very just a strong person and whatever and instantly she just turned into mama bear mode and was like okay but being calm about it and being like okay slowly asking me questions uh letting me cry even if it was 30 minutes between every question you know and that's why it was a three-hour process to even get a single answer out um and i was like yes you know crying breaking down crying it went through like a whole roll toilet maybe two um (laughs) but i'm not even kidding um (laughs) and so i'm not being dramatic um and I was like, yes. And she's like, okay, like how, how much? 
And and I vividly remember this. Like it was yesterday. I was like too many to count. And she's like, okay. And she's like, when when did it start? Like, and I was like, I was I was like years. I was like I was little, not little, but you know. And she's like, how do you mean? I was like, I was like eleven. I was like twelve. And she's like, okay. She's like, Angel, I know you don't want to hear this, but that is that is a crime what like that is a crime that is that is bad um he that is pedophilia that is molestation that is a real thing and I was like I know you know but and I was just crying because I didn't want to lose him that was mm-hmm. all that that was the only thing that was going through my brain was I'm gonna lose him I cannot lose him and I even told her I was like yeah I know I know I know but please don't tell anyone I just let mm-hmm. him go just let him go. I don't care if I don't see him ever again. I don't care anything. Just let him go. That's exactly what I said. Um, and she's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot do that. That is, that is a crime. That is, he is, will go to jail. Like that's how serious it is. Um, and I was like, okay. Like I was just crying. Like you know imagine being 16 just going through everything realizing everything that's been happening in the past six years and just blowing up and all of it coming out fearing that you're going to lose him but then it you're just going insane because of what was happening before and just it was absolutely it was crazy um and so but at that time it was like 11 o'clock at night and so she was like uh kind of like breathing like okay i'm gonna make a plan she's like i will not call the cops tonight because it is 11 o'clock at night. Your siblings are sleeping. Um, but you will sleep in my room with me. Because um, I had my own room and everything. And she knew that I was so attached to him that I, I could find a way to somehow get to where he was. Mm-hmm. So, or I could text him, hey, pick me, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So she's like, um, I'm taking your phone. You are sleeping in my bed with me. Um, and we will call the cops in the morning. Um, I don't want to, you know, make a big scene and because the kids won't understand. Um, but we'll call cops, call the cops in the morning. And I don't think we we both didn't go to sleep. Um, so it was a very exhausting process. But um, next morning, it wasn't, you know, technically an emergency. So they kind of make you wait like two hours just to send an officer. Um, officers came. I They took a report. Um, they kind of just interviewed everyone and then the process started. Uh, it was very just crazy. Um, and keep in mind, was- like there's fear. There was a lot of fear, I know, with your mom and just in general because of his military past and his drinking, yeah. who he becomes when he drinks and the fact that he knows how to have a gun and like all kind of like the dangerous thing where she didn't know yeah. he's gonna come kill you guys if you didn't know like if you if you found yeah. out for some reason like that's how yeah. fearful she was i remember that so even um just in general like before all this came out you would never fear anything like that we never feared anything like that mm-hmm. um but you know when that was a very serious matter and he's like oh my secret came out like and when he does drink, he's a very different person. And I didn't, and I'm not being dramatic, but when I saw him, because I obviously we didn't see him drunk or anything. My mom avoided that at all costs. And if he did, he went somewhere else and did not come home. Um, but that night, that story that I told you about of when mom caught us something happening was the first time that I ever I saw his eyes, right? And so when he is drunk, he is literally a different 
person. And when I say I literally saw the devil in his eyes, I'm not being dramatic about that. And I'm, I, it was like, I, it's still traumatizing to me. Honestly, sometimes I don't, I try not to think about it often, but still sometimes I can just see that face and see those eyes and mm-hmm. be like, get scared. Like, yeah, I'm not, it's, I'm not being dramatic. It's serious. And he does turn into a different person. So we were like, and, you know, having that background of 10 years in the Marines, we were like, he has access to guns. He, when you, when he's drunk, he's a different person. When he kind of goes haywire, he get, he's a different person. So we were on edge all the time. My mom slept with a gun because we were like, what if he comes in? His biggest secret came out and he will do anything to protect that, you know, and all these things. So yeah, we were like living in fear and we would go to different households and sleep there and no one knew where we were. He didn't know where we were and we tried to avoid that as much as possible, him knowing where we were because we feared that he would come and I wouldn't say hurt the kids, but hurt my mom because she's, you know, the head person and kind of would be the one to tell everyone which she did. So, but, um, and luckily not, nothing like he didn't hurt anyone. Nothing happened. Um, also thank you to the, you know, police department. They picked him up really quick, but, um, well, I mean like what, like this was, this was a long process though. Like I remember, so (laughs) this is fun because, me and my three kids were staying with my parents while we found a house. We were there for probably like a year and we were looking for a house. And then here comes my sister and all five of her kids. And it's just like, I remember the day where she came and she just dropped everybody off. And she's like, I'm leaving with Anjo. They were gone all day. We had no idea what was happening. They like, had no idea. Like my sister just dropped everyone off and was just like, peace out. And I know you went to go get tested and all that stuff and get yeah. information on this stuff. But we were like, what is happening? Like, we were just like, what is happening? And then I remember nowhere. when, I remember when my mom told me, like, she's like, it's about Bryce. And I'm like, what? She's like, he did something really, really bad. And I'm like, oh I just remember what she told did me. You, and my you heart someone just, or something? like, I was like, what are you talking about? And like, my heart dropped and like everything like flooded towards my brain of like, this is why all this was happening. Like, I just... Yeah. Was so like, I just could not believe what was happening. And I got like, then like, it was like almost like a month, right? Where we. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like about a month that like. That no one knew. No one knew. Like, like my sister and her family were hiding out in my, in my parents' house, you know, because he was still like out, like he was kicked out. So he had no idea what was going on. Like nothing. He had no idea that you guys were hiding out. Yeah. And so, like, we're all, like, huddled in this house, like, scared to death of, like, There's, like what's going to happen. There was, like, 14 of us We were, like, it's house. a party in that house. Um, and then also well, all this traumatic stuff, house, which yeah. definitely talk about, because this is something people don't think about, like, ugh, with abusers. And is like, you didn't just tell and we're like, oh, good, I'm relieved. Like, Anjo, during this time, was, like, it was, like, ripping her heart apart with him being gone and him going to jail like every other day she's like i'm so glad and then she's like i love him oh, and trying to call him and text him and emails like we were like it was to explain that part but like it was yeah. crazy to see from my end of how emotionally like tra- traumatized you were oh, and yeah. like it was crazy <clears throat> to see but explain like how you felt during that time when like we were all hiding out 
and oh, you yeah. were hiding out and oh, you guys were trying goodness, to figure out yeah. all that stuff and then they were investigating him over that month because it had to take time to get all the evidence and stuff oh oh yeah of Angelina's story and we're going to continue it on the next podcast episode. Join us to finish the story.